Check this out, y'all. Audio level full volume. It's go time. This is Border to Border with Matt Josephs. He's super famous. This guy's a fraud, a phony. I respect women. I love women. I respect them so much that I completely stay away from them. Matt, your manliness is overwhelming. Sports, 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 sports. Audio level full volume. It's go time. Here's Matt Josephs on Richmond's 106.1 ESPN. Good afternoon, everybody. Border to Border, 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Tuesday, uh, getting closer to the holiday, getting closer to December, um, getting closer to all sorts of fun stuff. Unfortunately, the end of the college football season. And uh, we got a lot to get into on the show today. Uh, The phone number, as always, 804-327-0888. That is the phone number. That is the text line if you want to get involved. I am your only host uh, live today. Bob is on his way to Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, uh, for the Spiders and BC Eagles tomorrow. Uh, you'll hear that one here on 1061 ESPN. Pre-game 6.30, tip-off around, who knows, 7.02 or whatever. We'll get into that more tomorrow here on the show. As I said, got a lot to get into. Uh, we will have one guest today. Uh, as I mentioned earlier today, had a chance to catch up with James Carpenter. Part of that great defensive line that JMU has. And um, we had a very good interview, about nine, nine and a half minutes long. You will hear it at, um, you will hear it coming up at 3.15. You know that we're going to do as much as we can with regards to the Dukes. And any way that we can publicize. I, have, I wish I had poll with regards to the NCAA. I do not. Um, but they need to know what they're doing wrong. There's no word. Uh, as we've seen, there's no word yet from uh, the NCAA. And uh, uh, we talked about yesterday, Bob and I, on the show. I don't see a problem with it. I think if I'm the NCAA and I'm about to say no to the commanders or to the um, to the JMU Dukes, I would wait until after college game day to at least give the illusion that they're still going to be potentially playing. You do not want to uh, say no and then have ESPN college game day on JMU's campus for three hours, basically crushing them left and right. Um, I think if you hear before then, it's going to most likely be good news. But then again, the NCAA has done nothing logical and nothing correct. So therefore, um, I would not be surprised if they also came out and said no, and then basically had a three-hour show smearing them left and right. Because the NCAA does nothing right. So James Carpenter will join us at 3.15. We will update you on the ESPN Top 760 done by nerd Bill Connolly. Where are the state schools? Um, we'll also give you my power rankings when it comes to the state schools. Um, there's been some changes, clearly. Uh, some teams need to get more respect. Some teams need to lose some respect, so we'll do that a little bit later. And um, we got some other stuff we'll get into as well, taking up until 4 o'clock. Um, I just want to say this. Yesterday was another classic case of a game. A, I would not watch without the Manning cast. I thought the Manning cast was fantastic. It was one of the best, worst games I've ever seen. Um, And you know what happened after the game? The Buffalo Bills saw a problem with their coaching staff and with the way their team was playing, and they decided to do something about it. And they fired their offensive coordinator, Eric Dorsey, which I don't necessarily agree with. Uh, uh, Eric Dorsey's not the guy... That sent 12 people out on special teams to try and block the uh, the field goal. Eric Dorsey's not the guy who had Josh Allen throw interceptions. Eric Dorsey's not the guy who fumbled the ball on his first touch and fumbled the ball again 
uh, just to have it bounce up like a basketball. Eric Dorsey didn't do any of that stuff. But here's the thing. The Bills, at 5-5, five and five, saw their season slipping away and decided to do something about it. Did you know right now the Buffalo Bills are not in the playoffs? The Buffalo Bills are not in the playoffs. In a seven-team playoff, it's the Chiefs, Ravens, Jaguars, and Dolphins. Those are your four division winners. And then it's the Steelers, Browns, and Texans who are your other who are your wild cards. And the Bengals, the Colts, the Bills, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Jets, the Broncos, all out. All out. So the Bills sat there and said, we've got seven games left on the schedule. And boy, do they have seven games left on the schedule. For those who don't know, the Buffalo Bills schedule for the rest of the season, Jets which, who knows, at Eagles, bye week, at Chiefs, Dallas, at Chargers, Patriots, at Dolphins. Outside of New England, there's a bunch of Super Bowl contenders. Well, actually, outside of Dallas, too. I can't say that Dallas is a Super Bowl contender. That was just me being foolish. But the Bills sat there, and I think some of you know where I'm going with this. It's the same argument I've made for weeks now. Weeks the Buffalo Bills saw their season changing. They said they needed to make a change. They needed to, in theory, do something. They weren't going to fire fire McDermott. Um, you know, you could consider firing McDermott, but they're like, all right, well, what's our issue? Well, our defense is really banged up. They're very injured. They have a lot of problems. Our offense is pretty healthy, and our offense was underperforming yesterday against a really good Denver defense. So you know what we need to do? We need to fire the offensive coordinator. They did it before their bye week because, as I said, their bye is not until week 13, which is still two weeks away or after two more games. They said, we need to make a change and fix this thing or else we're going to waste a season in which we have a really good quarterback and a really good team. Let's fire the offensive coordinator. They did that today. They didn't care that they were in the middle of a week. They didn't care that they fired their OC getting ready for the New York Jets, who have one of the best defenses in the league. They did not care. They said, we are 5-5. Five and five. We have lost three of our last four. We have lost four of our last six. We need to do something to fix our season, and they did it. Name me a team that was in somewhat the same situation and didn't do it. I'll let you think for a moment. Your cars, your desk, whatever. Yeah, that's right. It's the Washington Commanders. They start the season out 2-2. Two and two. Actually, let's go back. They start the season out 2-0. and They lose a, a bad game to the Bills. They probably it was a resetting point where basically they said, all right, we're not as good as the Bills. They go to Philadelphia. They don't uh, do the two-point conversion. They go to overtime. They lose in overtime. All right, we're sitting here thinking, all right, you know, this team could be something. We're 2-2. Two and two, But they showed us a lot in this situation. Then they have the short week at home against one of the worst offenses in football. And they're like, all right, and most times, if you watch these Thursday night games, and I don't know, I, I can go back and look at the history of it, you look at the Thursday night football history, the advantage is usually with the home team because the home team doesn't have to go anywhere. And if you look this season, I'm looking to see. So um, one, two, two and one, two and two, three and three, five and three, six and three. The home team is six and three this season. On Thursday Night Football. The losses were the Saints against the Jaguars, the Bears against the Commanders, and the Lions against the Packers. In, that, in, the, in two of those cases, the better team won the game on the road. But, but this team said, 
after a 2-2 two and two start, they're like, all right, we're going to get right. We're going to beat the Bears. We're going to beat the Falcons. We'll beat the Giants. We'll turn things around, and maybe we lose to the Eagles, but we're still 5-3 and three in the process. What happens? They get embarrassed publicly by the Chicago Bears. They get up 40 points. They sit there. They're like, the whole week, we had 10 days to sit here and dissect a defense that gave up a bazillion points to a really bad Bears offense. We spent all this time. They gave up 451 yards. Josh Fields, uh, not uh, Justin um, Fields, looks like a competent quarterback, which he is. And they move up and down the field, and the commanders come afterwards and they're like, nah, we're okay. We're good. We don't need to make any changes. We're all right. And so after that, you go and you win the road game at the Falcons. All right, things are better. And then you go play at the Giants and you lose 14 to 7. And then you lose the Eagles, and then you beat the Patriots, and then you lose to the Seattle Seahawks. I can honestly say this. If they fire Jack Del Rio after the Week 5 loss to the Bears, they probably don't... Well, I mean, I don't know. The Giants game, I can't blame on the defense. They only gave up 14 points. The, the Eagles game, they gave up 38 points. And then the Seahawks game, there were some bad busts on defense. But I can tell you this. If the Commanders fired Jack Del Rio they would be even more in the playoff hunt than they already are. They're two games out right now. Most likely, they're not making it, and I think part of it is of their own thought. Like, they're, they've their own thing. Because they gave off the thought, Josh Harris, starts all the way up at Josh Harris, and Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson's tweeting, and people are sitting there saying, well, Magic Johnson's not happy. Maybe he'll do something. Nope, didn't do anything. Because, obviously, as we all know, people on Twitter... Um, Magic Johnson on Twitter is just a facade. He's just like uh, he's like Alexa. He's like, well, the Lakers beat so and so, and Magic er, and uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron looked really good together. Like, okay, thanks. I could have seen that myself. But he says on Twitter he's not happy, and people are like, oh, that might mean he's doing something. Nope, didn't do a darn thing. And now you are four and six. You're two games out of the playoffs, and your fans are sitting there saying, look at Buffalo. They just fired a guy in week ten after week ten. And Josh Harris is telling me, well, we're okay. Because next year we're going to make all the changes. Well, what happens next year when they have massive injury issues and they have to push it to next year? Like, you can't take a year for granted in the NFL. You just can't. You know, what happens if the Chiefs next year lose Patrick Mahomes for the season? Then what? Then that whole year's done. So what happens next year if the, 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 the commanders go out, they spend their money, they get some solid defensive additions, they get new coaches, Sam Howell takes the next step, and guess what? Sam Howell gets hurt, and then they have to go to a backup. Like, this is not baseball. This is not basketball. This is not the NHL to some extent, although, you know, obviously I don't understand the NHL enough. Um, and the NBA with the salary cap, I can't understand. But, like, you can't take a year for granted if you're a commanders, if you're the commanders. They had a defense with, obviously, Chase Young and Montez Sweat that was good enough to keep them in the race. They have an offense that I think is pretty good as Sam Howell continues to get better. They have winnable games ahead. Some, not as many. They have, like, one or two. But when you basically allow Jack Del Rio to stay as your head coach after all the stuff that went down, You're telling your team, you're telling your fans, you're telling everybody, we're okay with it. That's fine. No problem. And that's just the wrong message to give. It's the wrong message to give. Because entering this season, 
I think there was a reasonable expectation that this team could make the playoffs. The defense was getting better. You know, you never knew what you were going to get from Sam Howell. If I read you before the season Sam Howell's statistics and said, this is what Sam Howell's going to do 11, 10 weeks into the season, he's going to throw for almost 3,000 yards. He's going to have 17 touchdowns. He's going to have nine interceptions. And I'm looking to see if this page has... He's going to run for 174 yards. He's going to have one lost fumble. If I told you those were the statistics through 10 games, you would have said to me, yeah, that's pretty good. I think we'll be good. Nope, you're not. Because they didn't make the moves that they were supposed to. And it's so funny because, you know, obviously, look, I think you all know I'm an Eagles fan. And so Washington's demise doesn't matter to me other than two games a year I is the only two times I root against the Commanders. But covering them as somebody who covers them it's just frustrating to me the message that's being sent to the fans. I feel for you. I feel for the guys like Alton who listens every once in a while and calls in. I feel for the rest of you Commanders fans who sit there, spend your money on a Sunday, commit a whole day because you go down, you pay parking, you tailgate, you spend your food and money for food and drinks, and, the, and you watch the game, and then you leave, you sit in traffic, you drive home, and then you wonder where the hell your Sunday went as the Commanders go and play a game in which they weren't properly set up. I mean, tell me this. How many of you out there in Richmond or wherever you're listening are going to go drive to FedEx Field for a 1 o'clock game against the Giants on Sunday? Like, what is your motivation? Why should you do it? Why should you go spend all that money to go watch a game that, heaven forbid, if they if the commanders do not beat the Giants on Sunday, I have no idea what I would even say. I have no idea. I might just sit here in silence for an hour. We might just actually play. Well, that's uh, for the whole hour. Just be like 44 minutes or so. We'd play the spots. I'd just randomly point to the producer and say it's time to break. Um, if they lose to the Giants at home, heaven forbid. I'll say this. If they do lose, you fire Ron Rivera on the spot. Because then you're really like, then you're really. And obviously, you know, it's. You have a short week to get ready for Dallas. You probably won't. But, like, I'm not even going to think about it. They're not going to lose to the Giants. They're not. It's it's not going to happen. But it's just, it's just a bad message to send to a prideful fan base that you're like, okay, we're good with losing. We're good with having a bad defensive coordinator because next year we're going to get rid of these guys. And next year Sam Howell's going to be a second-year player. And next year and next year and next year. The NFL doesn't – NFL doesn't – this is not the NBA. You can't have a process in the in the NFL. Because you could have all the players in place. First play from scrimmage, someone tears their ACL, and that's it. Your season's over. Then what? Oh, the 2025. Can't do it. Washington's a 10-point favorite. I don't even want to think about them losing. They're not going to lose. Heaven forbid. The Giants have checked out. They're done. So I just thought it was funny that here you have a, a Buffalo Bills team with expectations for the season, and they're like, we are going to make a change and we are going to do something about this instead of sitting there and saying, well, next year we'll have a better record. Next year. Because they know Josh Allen, one Josh Allen injury away from being a terrible football team. So I just thought about that as I saw that yesterday. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, there are great vibes in Harrisonburg. Uh, I had a chance to catch up with James Carpenter earlier today. We'll play you that interview. And then a little bit later, we will update you on where our state schools are in the top 760 as uh, listed by nerd Bill Connolly of ESPN. We'll also preview the college basketball tonight, some interesting games. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. ESPN. 
p.m. Matt Joseph's here. College game day will be in Harrisonburg as the JMU Dukes get set for Appalachian State out at Bridgeport Stadium. Two o'clock kickoff. Joining us now, part of that stout defense, defensive lineman James Carpenter. James, how's it going? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Doing well, James. Uh, so before we uh, we connected, you were doing some interviews and stuff for College Game Day. How did that go? That was good. Um, yeah, I had a couple of us in there. Uh, you know, asking us some questions, and uh, yeah, it was cool. It was a cool, cool time to be a Duke. Obviously, there's a lot going on surrounding this program. So, how do you kind of approach everything so that way you can kind of keep your focus on the game itself? Yeah, there's a there's, there's definitely a lot going on, um, but you know, all the coaches, coaching, you know, they do a good job of kind of kind of telling us how to how to approach it. Um, you know, not really worrying about any any outside stuff. You know. Keep the same mindset, whether you know we're bulgeable or not, or game day or not. Here, you know, we always kind of have the same mindset going each week. And uh, the coaches, you know, they, they do a good job of preaching that to us. Um, obviously, the defense has been f- fantastic. Six points last week against UConn, fourteen against Georgia State. It's almost like you guys took it personally since the ODU game. All the yards that you had given up. Yeah, um, these past couple games, or you know, Georgia State and ODU, uh, you know, they, they, they definitely ran us a good bit more, more than more than we like, and. Um, yeah, they, they, our coach, you know, especially Coach Coons, kind of challenged us this week, you know. You know, the challenge us, you know, stop the run, you know, play play, play good brand of ball. And, uh, you know, we, we had a good week, you know. Got, got even tougher test this week. Um, obviously, Appalachian State is an interesting opponent. They like to run the ball as well. They also have a nice uh, solid attack. What do you see? Obviously, it's only Tuesday, but what do you see on film so far when you look mm-hmm. at the Mountaineers? Oh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're a really good team. Um yeah, the quarterback's probably one of the better ones we face. Um, he can throw the ball, he can run. Really good running game, really good running backs, really good on the line. Um, you know, they're solid. They're solid. You know, all around, they're really, really well coached, and uh, yeah, they're, they're a really good team. And you know, we know we got, we got our hands full. Was it weird last week playing a non-conference game? I'm sure the coaches stress that every game means the same thing, but obviously last week you weren't playing a Sunbelt opponent. Yeah, I mean it was. I mean it was. It was a little bit weird. You know, at first, maybe kind of going to the week preparing for. Someone that we haven't played yet, you know, either this year or last year. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe maybe at first for me it was a little weird, but you know, as the week went on and you know, when we got to the NBA, you know, it was it was all the same. It was like any other week. What's it like for you to have that little number next to your name in terms of being ranked? Obviously, you guys have been ranked for a couple weeks now. You were ranked last year. Um, what's it like to be to be ranked in that top twenty-five? You know, I think it's you know, I think it's cool for you know our program and our our university and you know. Our friends and everything, but um, you know, I, I think whether or not we have a you know that number next to us or, or not, we're going to approach approach it, approach it the same way. Um, you know, trying trying to limit the, limit those distractions. But yeah, I mean, it, it's cool for, for for our fans and, and everything, and um, you know, it's, it's cool for us as well. But you know, at the same time, we we you know kind kind of got to keep block that out the same way and kind kind of stay away from from that rat poison, as the coaching Nettie likes to say. And so, uh, Try and try and stay focused during the week. What's your favorite uh, catchphrase or motto or something that Coach Signetti repeats over and over again? What's your favorite saying that he has? <clears throat> Oof, uh, that's tough one. He's got a he's got a lot of them. Um, I would say that's, that's a tough. I mean, he's, he's got a lot. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think something that he, he always preaches to us um, is either you're getting better or you're getting worse. Um, he says he says that a lot to us. Um, I think that that really holds true, you know, in, in every aspect. Um, you know, we we can't we can't get too comfortable. We get too comfortable, you know, 
obviously we're getting worse and, you know, obviously, you know, getting better, getting worse. So I think, um, you know, having that, you know, it's really, you know, it really stays, stays true to our team. And, you know, I think, I think it's a good thing that I use a lot. And, you know, it, um, it's one that we kind of hold close. When did you know this defense was going to be special this year? Um, I would probably say, probably say, you know, the, the off season, uh, we had a really good group of guys coming in. Um, you know, a lot of guys from last year, same coaches and everything. So I think, you know, ever since last year and then you kind of go into that offseason, we, we kind of knew we were going to be a special group. How about, I mean, I bet in your wildest dreams, you never think that you'd be number one rush defense in the country. And not only that, but by a lot of yards ahead of the, the second place team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it just, you know, you know it, it's, it's a testament to you know, our, our hard work, our determination, um, our coaches, players, kind of everyone surrounding. So I think um, you know it's cool for us. We like to keep that number low. Um, you know we got we got two two tough teams coming up these next couple weeks, but you know we yeah we, we got we got opportunities to, uh, to keep that going. That's hopefully we'll find doing this week. Talking with James Carpenter of the JMU Dukes as they get set for App State. Um, obviously, is it weird for you that you are the number one rush defense yet the NCAA won't put you guys in any of the statistics, so you just don't even show up anywhere? Yeah, I mean. It's it's a little weird, um, kind of confusing. Don't really understand that part of it. Um, but you know, it, it is what it is, I guess. Um, you know, kind of kind of control we can control, but you know, at the same time, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. We just think it's a little confusing on, on their part, but you know, it is what it is. What's it? What it, talk about the commitment that this team had? Obviously, entering the season, you guys knew that you probably weren't going to be in a bowl game. You weren't going to win the Sun Belt uh, title, and most of you guys stayed. Only Isaac was the one who left. Just talk about the commitment you guys have to the program, despite the fact that before the season began, you knew there was a chance you probably weren't going to have a postseason. Yeah, I mean, that kind of kind of shows shows the group of guys we got here. Um, you know, whether or not we can go to a bowl game or the Sun Belt championship, you know, for us it doesn't matter. Um, you know, we still get the opportunity to play play, play twelve games. Um, you know, not many people have that opportunity, especially at this university at this level. Um, we know how special place this is, so it's it's hard to leave this place. Um, yeah, I just think you know it's kind of a testament to to the group of guys we got here. Can you reflect on your career? Obviously, a lot of things have happened over your career. You played in a different season. You went through the pandemic, and now you're a top twenty five program. Could you just look over your journey as a member of the Dukes and everything you kind of went through? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. I mean, going to the national championship my freshman year and losing that to a really good, really good North Dakota State team. You know, the spring season. Um, you know, now the FDS and and nationally ranked. You know, I just think it kind of shows shows the program that that, that coach is building here, and you know, kind of his coaching style and how successful he is and how good of a coach he is. Um, you know, it just kind of kind of shows shows also how you know how special a place this is. And you know, it's been a wild ride and. uh you know, I got some more work to do. There are so many positive vibes surrounding this program. What did it? What was it like for you when you heard that Jalen was going to be out for the season? He was having such a good year for you guys. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty heartbreaking. Um, you know, especially kind of kind of what he's been through. Is you know, we came to the same class together, so kind of kind of seeing that it was heartbreaking. It really hurts. Um, you know, obviously on the field, he's, he's excellent for us, but him you know, as a person, he's uh, he's hard. He's worked his, his butt off for us and. You know, he got her, I think, or his spring season and uh, wasn't able to play then. And there's been a backup to some really good players. So, this time here, and finally, him get his chance. And, you know, doing what he was doing this year, it's, you know, it, it hurts. Um, 
but at the same time, you know, that's, that's kind of how football is. That's, you know, that's, that's the mentality, or that's the that's the kind of sport we play. And you know, next man up mentality, and you know, you gotta, gotta get some guys to step up. But uh, yeah, I mean, at the same time, it hurts. You know, I feel for him, and you know, he's, he's in our thoughts and prayers. What's it going to be like for you Saturday? I don't know if you're one of those guys who gets up Saturday and watches college game day no matter what, but what's it going to be like waking up Saturday and turning on ESPN before the game and seeing that this show is going to be on your campus? Yeah, I mean, usually on game days, I always like to wake up and kind of turn it on when it starts. Uh, it's going to be special. It's going to be a special week, special atmosphere, uh, special time to be here as a, as a student or a fan and anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think waking up and seeing that is going to be really special. Last thing for you. Is there anything in the water in Harrisonburg? The basketball team is ranked. Uh, your soccer teams are in the NCAA tournament. You guys are having great success. Is there something in the water that uh, that uh, all you guys are drinking out there? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's uh, you know, we're in everything, so we, we can do it all. Uh, really good sports programs. Uh, you know, it's nice that we're getting, we're getting kind of put on the map right now, kind of nationwide. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely a special time to be, be a Duke. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's, it's great being here. It's uh Special time to be in Harrisburg, for sure. Well, James, uh, good luck uh, this weekend. Good luck the rest of the season. Hopefully the NCAA does uh, something right for once and lets you guys go to a bowl game. But uh, thanks for giving us some time. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. And, yes, uh, that was from earlier today with uh, James Carpenter. <clears throat> it, it, it is pretty crazy to think about what he and the guys in his class have gone through in terms of, um, in terms of you know, as we t- as we kind of ran down, you know, you you have the pandemic, so things get a little weird, and then you go and you play in a different season. Like you don't even play in the usual season; you play two seasons almost in a year. And then they have the last year in the CAA where they were just playing football; they weren't eligible for the playoffs. And then they come up, and they know the first year they're not going to make the playoffs. Everybody kind of knew that it was a stupid rule, but you're like, "All right, we do it. We're supposed to. We schedule everything, and we're going to be fine that next year." And then they still aren't fine next year. And the second year they keep back, they come back, and they only lose one guy. And I'm not begr—I've begr- I- I- said it all along: the three largest departures for James Madison were Isaac Ukwu to the SEC. I think it was Ole Miss. Juice Wells went to the, to South Carolina and uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey. Sorry if I got that name wrong, but he went to Texas. So your three uh, departures were Missouri, Mississippi, uh, Texas, and South Carolina. Those are three departures I'm fine with. It's not like JMU's losing people to Mac schools or things like that. They're losing them to the SEC and the Big 12. And it's just... You know, I, I talked about it in the first couple minutes. I I think that the silence that the NCAA has is, as Bob brought it up, and Bob's more Pollyannish than I am. He's hoping that essentially they do like a Friday news dump and they say they can do it uh, and they get the ball waiver, and then Saturday is a celebration of all that is right in college football. Uh, whereas I'm thinking they're not saying anything and they're waiting to a Sunday news dump during the NFL and basically it says, no, we denied the waiver, so they can't get crushed on college game day. So there is this illusion that on Saturday they can still make it if the NCAA is still a good organization. That's just the difference. If Bob's a positive person. I am not a positive person for the most part. <clears throat> so that's what I'm kind of uh, of, of sitting at. But this team deserves to go bowling. And I would love, and they can't do it because the committee tonight 
can't rank James Madison, I would love to see where JMU is ranked. I think they would be ahead of Tulane. I think that if they win their last two games and win the Sun Belt, they would be the representative to go and and represent the uh, the group of six. I don't know if they'd win their game, but it doesn't matter. It's not on me to decide if they're going to win their game. You know? Um it's not on me to sit here and be like, well, I don't know if they're going to win. I'm, I'm looking it up now to see on Brett McMurphy's uh, bowl thing. So the bowl would be the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, and it would be this guy, and um, uh, Brett has Penn State playing Tulane. Penn State, James Madison, are you kidding me? Down in Atlanta for the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl on December 30th? That would be fantastic. Not only do I think JMU could win, play that game, JMU could win that game. I am... Penn State seems like one of those teams that would certainly look at their group of five opponent and be like, yeah, I'm not that interested. Give me, and, and he sets as a two touchdown favorite. If they gave me JMU and 14 points, I would take it in a heartbeat. I would take it in a heartbeat. But I think that, I think the silence is not necessarily a good thing. It's not like the NCAA is aware enough to be like, you know, we should just come out on Saturday and announce it on the show. That would be that would be fantastic too. If like we heard a tease from the NCAA Friday night, hey, stay tuned during college game day. We'll have a ruling on JMU's future. That would tell me it's positive. That would tell me they're going to make it. But the NCAA just doesn't doesn't think that way. They just don't. Um, so I got a text here. It says, do JMU players use two years of eligibility, not being eligible for bowls and stuff like that? Yeah, basically the last two years count, but they just don't count in the eyes of the FBS. So basically, they are sitting there using up eligibility when the NCAA... Like, can you think about that for a second? The NCAA doesn't even list JMU in their statistics. They don't even list them. JMU is probably very high in a lot of different statistics. The NCAA doesn't recognize them. They're not there. So, like, if I, I'm looking up right now, there's a website, teamrankings.com. I use it for, for my handicapping and stuff like that. If you go and you look, James Madison's number one in rush defense. They're allowing 61.6 rushing yards per game to FBS opponents. That's seven yards better than UCLA. That's 13 yards better than Penn State, who obviously saw their number get throttled by Michigan. So that means JMU is, is seven yards better than the next competition per game. In UCLA, JMU's allowing 49.2 yards rushing away from home. And this is for only FBS opponents. But if you went to the NCAA website, you wouldn't see any of that stuff. You wouldn't see a single thing because I, I, I don't even know why. I don't even know why. It doesn't make a sense. By the way, the one problem is JMU is, allow, is 126th in pass defense. 276.3 yards per game allowed through the air. There are seven teams worse than JMU. So there is a weakness to the Dukes. It's just when you're able to make a team one-dimensional, you can go and attack them and sack them and, and, and do all sorts of damage. You can beat JMU through the air. But the problem is, can you get to that sort of situation? JMU's better than Louisiana, Monroe, Boise State, Cal, Colorado, South Florida, Tulsa, and Stanford. Those are the seven teams that are worse than JMU at pass defense, according to teamrankings.com. Uh, so that's what we got there. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, I will update you on the college basketball slate tonight. We also got a little maction in the, uh, college football, and I will update you on the top 760. Where are the state schools that we care about 
in Bill Connolly's nerd list, uh, ESPN Plus. We'll update you on that as well. Take you up to 4 o'clock. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. Glorious Maction tonight, 7 o'clock. Akron, Eastern Michigan, Toledo, Bowling Green, Western Michigan, Northern Illinois. Glorious, glorious, glorious Maction tonight. We don't have very much uh, Maction left. Um, so we will have to enjoy it tonight and then next week. Uh, also, tonight, as you know, if Bruce is listening, the in season tournaments tonight, I'm just so, it's just so weird. As I, as I posted on Twitter, the Sixers played the Pacers, I think it was Saturday or Sunday at home. And now they're playing them again. They're flipping it to, they're changing courts to this bright monstrosity. And they're playing and calling tonight an in season tournament game. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But whatever. Whatever. That's tonight. Tuesdays and Fridays in the NBA season. There are NBA in-season tournament games. Explain to me this. Riddle me this, Batman. Uh, If this game is supposed to mean so much tonight, why are you having back-to-backs with so many teams on the schedule? Because the Sixers are playing Boston tomorrow night for their second straight home game against the Celtics, which is also really weird. Um but they're trying to put more emphasis in the game tonight against the Pacers who aren't very good. Like it's just if you're going to make this end season tournament worth more and keep people hanging around and being like, "Yeah, I'm really excited for the end season tournament." Don't put games the next day. Don't do that cuz then people are going to sit out tonight. There's a chance Embiid's not playing tonight cuz there's a better game tomorrow to play. Well, if you want this NBA end season tournament to work, you got to make sure to keep people motivated. Uh, college basketball tonight, the Champions Classic, is at the United Center. Duke and Michigan State at 7. The college football playoff rankings will be in between. And then Kansas and Kentucky tonight. The game I'll be interested in the most, Iowa and Creighton at 10 o'clock tonight. That total is 164. That may not be enough. That's two high-powered offenses who love to run. That's a great game tonight. Uh, the only lined game involving a state school, Virginia, is hosting North Carolina A&T tonight. Virginia is a 31-point favorite. Total is 134. I never like playing these games because, I mean, Virginia should destroy them. But the question is, by how much will they, you know, the good thing for Virginia this year is they're deep enough that when they go to the bench, they're going to, the, the the style of play will not change. And it's not like it will get much worse, but... You're basically asking Virginia to care all game, and who knows if they're going to. Uh, college basketball tomorrow, Virginia Tech is hosting Campbell at 6. They're 19-point favorites. Richmond is a 4-point underdog at Boston College at 7 o'clock. Um, VCU is a 5-point favorite against Radford tomorrow at home. Longwood is a 6-point favorite at Maryland Eastern Shore. That game's at 8 o'clock. So those are the games going on in the state, and we'll, of course, we'll get more into tomorrow's games uh, tomorrow. Uh, 3270-888, that is the phone number. That is the text line. 804 is the area code. If you'd like to, um, if you um, would like to chime in. I got a text here. It says, explain to me one thing, Matt. I've noticed it many teams, many times, including Washington, teams are losing and guys are smiling and, and laughing. I, listen, that would frustrate a lot of people. I understand what the texter is getting to, but this is, I mean, these guys are just completely different. 
You know, there's no... That's why I said that rivalries, for the most part, are gone. Like, a lot of these guys are friends. They go out there, you know, it would frustrate a lot of other people. It doesn't frustrate me that much because I'm just over it. But, like, you see a lot of guys after games, they switch jerseys, uh, and they kind of take pictures together, and, you know, they're generally talking to each other, and there's a lot of happiness even after losses. Like, you just got to kind of get over that. We're in a see, uh, leagues nowadays where just people are friends. Yeah, they want to win. They want to beat each other up. But, like, after the game, they're like, oh, well, let's, you know, go have a beer and talk about it. That's just kind of a thing that you kind of have to, you know, get over because it's just football and sports nowadays are just not like that. Everybody's friends and nobody has bad feelings or bad blood for anybody else. So I get it. Texter. I was annoyed by it, but then I eventually just got over it. I'm like, all right, that's how they want to treat it. That's fine. Players will never get as high or as low as we do. And I, I, you know, I actually don't mind that. Because they should be the ones who are more sane than we are. And I've gotten over that. Like, as I've said on this show, there are two teams that will annoy me to no end when they lose. In terms of, like, my next day will be sad. It's the Eagles and it's Syracuse basketball. Other than that, like, you know, the Phillies World Series, I got over it pretty quick. Um, you know, the Sixers playoff losses, I've been, I got over those pretty quick. The, the Eagles and, the, and Syracuse basketball are the two teams that, like, hit me to my core. I don't even recognize Syracuse football. They don't even have a football team. So you just kind of grow up a little, grow older as I have, and you get over it. Uh, All right, so we've been doing this list. Bill Connolly of ESPN has been doing this list, the top 760 teams. It's got all the levels, FBS, FCS, Division II, Division III, NAIA, all that stuff. It's a definite time suck if you ever want to just go and you're bored at work and you want to read this list and see like, hey, this team's better than this team. Um, So we've been updating you on where all of our state schools are. So I'd like to just do that real quick. Uh, So JMU's 25th. They're ahead of Miami. They're one spot below USC. They're two spots ahead of Liberty, who's 27th. Liberty actually went up 17 spots from last week. Um, I'm not saying Liberty's a bad football team. I just need to see them play somebody. And, I, you know, it doesn't – they can't because their schedule's made years in advance. But, like, Liberty has benefited from a very easy schedule. Virginia Tech is 63rd. They moved up four spots. Virginia is 102nd. Virginia is 102nd. They fell six spots. There are five FCS schools who are better than them, according to this. South Dakota State, Montana State, North Dakota State, Delaware, and Montana. ODU is 113. They fell seven spots. Uh, Richmond moved up five spots. They're 148. There are actually two uh, D2 teams who are better than Richmond, Grand Valley State and Harding. William & Mary has moved up nine spots. They are 157. And then our next school is Virginia Union at 205. So Virginia Union at 205. Then you've got Virginia State at 265. Norfolk State at 275. Randolph-Macon at 279. VMI at 290. Um, Christopher Newport at 505. And Hampton-Sydney's at 548. Pretty crazy to think that Randolph-Macon, as a Division III school, would beat a lot of FCS programs, including VMI, according to this. Be very interesting to see. You would never do like FBS versus Division Two because that would be a, a a mismatch. But like if you did some FCS and Division Two and Division Three and sprinkled them all in, it would be interesting to see if the highest level would always win. Fitchburg State, by the way, is the worst team in the league. They're at 760. Michigan's number one. Georgia's two. Oregon's uh, number four. Ohio State's three. Penn State's five. Alabama, Florida State, Texas, Washington, Oklahoma round out your top ten. 
Bill Connolly's Twitter, at ESPN underscore Bill C, if you're interested. I'm telling you, you could sit there and stare at this thing for hours, and it would kill time during work because, let's be honest, nobody really wants to work. Um, so, yeah, go check it out on the website. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll do our final segment, get you set for tomorrow. You're listening to 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. 1061 ESPN Matt Joseph's here. Um, ESPN Bet, which I'm sure you'll start hearing a lot about, is uh, it looks like it's up. And um, it's basically my quick thing. We only got like a minute or so. And obviously, I want to, if they want to endorse me, they can. Basically, when you're trying to decide which place you want to go, if you're trying to decide, like, hey, which sports book's the best one? It's whatever you want it to be. In terms of if you're looking for a sports book with lots of uh, offerings, if you're looking for a lot of bonuses, if you're looking looking for a lot of fun bets, whatever it is, I think you should just basically find the sports book that is most comfortable for you. I like DraftKings the most. I have money in five different places. There's actually two places I don't actually I have money in, but I don't actually go to them. But I, I you know it's all about personal comfort. You're going to hear a lot of advertisement about ESPN Bet. And I don't know. I may put money in. 